This is a sex pot comedy production. now that was really well done <laughs> it's september which day is it in september the second yeah it's two days into september happy fucking back to school hey hey most of you have already been there for several weeks if you're in school because colorado is weird and you have to go back to school very early yeah back to school like when that when that the display hit in the walmart in oh, cedar man. city i spent a lot of time in the walmart in cedar city this summer uh, but when those dis- when that fucking display came up, I was like, are you kidding me? It's barely August, but nope. Nope. Yeah, Justin and I had to take a solid two hours to talk before we began this podcast because it's been quite a while yeah. since we've been in the same room. I know. A lot has happened this summer. So many things. <laughs> so- None of which I care to talk about on this pad- podcast. No. Uh, no, I'm just My kidding. dog got diarrhea constantly and my car <laughs> broke down, so it was the best summer ever. Best summer ever, you guys. OMG. Um, I did finally see Hamilton, which I know you've all been wanting to know about. What did Lauren think of Hamilton? Yes. My life has changed. Everything's great. Okay. <laughs> I'm a better person now. I am a better... Yes. <laughs> um, but hey... We're back at Required Readcast. I'm at, Jessica Austin, and I'm Lauren Ballman. Uh, and we're gonna we're diving into the fucking Lord of the Flies. Let's just start our second season with a bang. What is wrong or with us? Or a crunch, or a splash. <laughs> we or are a, sorry. We are so sorry. Uh, before we before we talk about Lord of the Flies, uh, we want to talk a little bit about what you read this summer. Yeah, what you read on your summer vacation. I feel like everybody needs to read on their summer vacation. You should, and you should read things that aren't for your job or your podcast or your whatever. You should read something just entertaining and fun. Yeah, uh, I went down a fucking Terry Pratchett wormhole this summer. That sounds delightful. It was awesome, and I uh, I did a lot of Discworld. Well, of course, that's mainly the thing he writes. But I read this one book that I have to just shout out to everyone because it might be one of the best books I've ever read. Like, it's, I think it's just broken to my top five. I'm not sure what it's bumping out, but it's called Monstrous <laughs> Regiment. And it's set in Discworld, but um, one of the countries, like, that it's neighbor to. And it's about a girl named Polly who dresses up as her twin, or dresses up as a boy to go, because her country's always at war because they're a bunch of assholes. Like, it's just an asshole country. It's so funny. And so she goes off and sneaks her way into the army. Um, But she's not the only girl. And as the story progresses, it becomes such an incredibly empowering feminist story. I'm like, Terry Pratchett, you are so ahead of your time. I think it was published in the late 80s, early 90s. And some of the shit that goes down in that book is so relevant to what's going on today, just with like gender and feminism and uh, identity. It's so cool. So Adding it to the list. Uh, put it on the list. It's so funny. I, I had to read it twice. I was saying my I haven't read any Terry Project on his own. I've read... Um, I've read uh, Good Omens, which is him and the old gayman, but not any Terry Pratchett. So mm. got to add that to the list. Love it. Read it. Love it. I um, there was that one really sad week where we lost both Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, and I'm huge fans of both. But Anthony Bourdain, I realized I had never read Kitchen Confidential, which is his big book that he wrote um, early 2000s. And so that was a lot of fun. It took me back to my day's waiting tables oh. in New York City. Um, it's a really well-written book and really great. And then I watch a lot of Parts Unknown because of that. Um, that was my big summer. I didn't have a whole lot. I didn't have as much time to read this summer as I had hoped. I thought I was going to have all of this time. Yeah. And, then, and I just did not. Nope. But at least I got one in. Yeah, good job. I got, I got Go several, <laughs> but not, they were all kind of slight. Like, they were all really just candy. I was like, this is delicious British humor. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> well, you've got plays to prep for, so. Hey, do you know what's British and not funny? This book? This fucking book. <laughs> oh, my God. Not funny at all. In fact, um, I last read Lord of the Flies in college. And this reading made me go, wow, was I just completely unaffected by life in college? Because not that I didn't get the seriousness of it then, but it really affected me this time around far more than it did several years ago. Yeah, I read this in high school and I had the book that you have now with a cover with like the 
boy with like the blue eyes kind of covered in grass and I just wanted to point out that that cover art was like hot when I was in high school. Iconic and I was like, can I hang this in my locker? Do you have a crush on the Lord of the Flies cover art? Yes, I have a crush on the Lord of the Flies cover art. I'm not, I'm not too proud to admit it. I fucking love that cover art. Can we find out if this guy was a model and where he is now? He's 40. No, he's probably dead. Oh. oh. Anyway. Anyway, that's just the mood we're in Just like a third of the boys in this book. Um, oh. Oh, you know, but uh, yeah, this was, I think we were really jazzed to pick this because it felt like a rebellious, everybody's going back to school. I don't know what we were thinking, but I'm pretty upset now. This is uh, deeply upsetting. Yeah, I remember <laughs> reading it and being like, oh, this is, it was good, you know, young people in a book and I liked it in high school and um, I constantly make Lord of the Flies references. Oh, like, yeah. How often do you like, are you like, I've got the conch? Right. All the fucking time. Right. Or, you know, they've went all Lord of the Flies in here when you're talking about a group of kids going crazy. I mean, having worked with youth in theater camps, I feel like I kind of made that reference a lot. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I quote that all the fucking time. But reading it this time again, I was just like, damn, that hurts. Ouch. Yeah, it's a tough one. But we got through it. We got through it. Uh, Lord of the Flies was written in 1954 by William Golding, and it was his first novel. I believe so. He's written a hell of a lot of books. And I'll admit, I'm not, this is the only book of his I've read. Um, and it's and the only one that I've heard of. Right. Like, the titles they threw out on Wikipedia, I've not heard of Never any of heard of them. So it's interesting to me. And I, and I found out he did win a Nobel Prize in Literature in 1983. But it was for his um, breadth of work. It wasn't specifically for Lord of the Flies. I think that's cool that they're just like, all the shit you wrote is pretty good. Here's a prize. Um, but I love when he won the prize, they said about him, with the perspicuity of realistic narrative art and the diversity and universality of myth illuminate the human condition in the world today. What's perspicuity mean? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's a word that I th- think I might have just pronounced incorrectly. Did you try perspicuity? Prom- oh, <laughs> I also don't know what that means. Promiscuity? I am off to a rolling start. Anyways, it's perspicuity, not perspicuity. (laughs) Anyways, that was a little quote about William Golding and why he won a Nobel Prize. Good for him. Uh, So I do not deserve a Nobel Prize because I don't know what words mean. No, you you deserve a prize, though, like a smaller one. I listened to the audiobook version of this and uh, alternated between reading it. Um, I was just doing a lot of driving this summer. But the audiobook that I listened to was narrated by William Golding. So just That's like, cool. it's cool. I love that I got the E.B. White Charlotte's Web and I got the Golding this one because it also answered some questions about like how things are pronounced. Like I've heard like uh, Ralph before, the debate, is it Ralph or Rafe? And I was like, well, if William Golding says it's Ralph, then it's Ralph. Morris versus Maurice. That well, one surprised me. Yeah. Uh, or like some people have said that's the conch rather than that I have the conch. And that William yeah. Goldie says conch. Yeah. Okay, good. So I kind of consider him the expert on how shit in his book is supposed to be pronounced. Because that's something that's always rubbed me the wrong way is when people say conch. I know. Instead of conch. You conch people on the head. Yeah. With the conch. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> or a big rock. Um, for anyone who's wondering, um, perspicuity refers to something that can be seen through i.e. to lucidity, clearness of style or exposition, the perspicuity of her argument. The more you know. Okay. Thanks, Laurie. <laughs> hey, I think it should be a rule that if I pronounce a word wrong and don't know what it means and I used it in a sentence that I have to look it up. You should. I think it's a good rule. We're, we're expanding our vocab. We're expanding. <laughs> you guys, it's, uh, it's an <laughs> evening and Lauren and I have been drinking coffee. So much coffee. It's going to be great. And we've got a pile of gummies. So oh. if our bre- blood sugar starts to crash... We'll just start shoving candy in our mouth. Because we need to comfort ourselves after diving into this motherfucking book. Oh, a lot of this is comfort candy, for sure. Um, So I wrote a very quick uh, Twitter summary, which is just hashtag boys gone wild. Which is incredibly (laughs) accurate. Uh, My tweet length summary is boys will be boys. And boys are fucking awful. <laughs> oh, man. Especially these boys. So the main summary that I found was, during an unnamed time of war, a plane carrying a group of British schoolboys is shot down over the Pacific. The pilot of the plane is killed, but many of the boys survive the crash and find themselves deserted on an uninhabited island where they are alone without adult supervision. 
So that's the gist of it. And it's just, it's so much worse than but that. But it's all the things. So we start, um, <clears throat> a fair-haired boy is wandering through the jungle. Um, I love that William Golding like mentions walking down the scar and never tells you what that is, really. Yeah, they he, reference that a lot. But, you know, it's I'm, I've assumed it's from where the plane crashed. And right, yeah, but, you can tell it's a detail of the island. But. Yeah, he, he says a lot of things things and he just expects you to know him so i i loved his writing i thought um, me too beautifully descriptive beautifully immersive immediately well and even just starting we just start they've crashed and we're starting there we're not starting leading up to it we don't see any of their lives off the island all we see is what's happening on the island yeah so we uh, we start with a a fair-haired boy who we discover a couple pages later is named ralph who's our guy um, struggling out of the jungle, walking towards a beach, and there's a rustle behind him and a voice being like, wait for me. I like sweets. Oh, my fucking God. And that's where Ralph, we meet Ralph and Piggy. First up, we meet Ralph and Piggy, whose real name I already forgot, even though he asked everybody to not call him Piggy. They I all do. He didn't tell us his real name, did he? I don't know. I don't think he I think does. he just goes, what's your name? And he's like, I don't care what you call me as long as you don't call me what kids used to call me at school. And Ralph's like, what was that? And he's like, Piggy. And then Ralph starts laughing at him like a dickhead and then refers to him as Piggy and tells all the other mean kid or kids that he's named Piggy. It's mean. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Nope. They don't even. He doesn't even say his name. Nope. He jumps right into He's that. Just Piggy. Poor Piggy. Poor Piggy. So Ralph has asthma. Piggy has asthma, which is <laughs> what they say because nobody likes to say asthma. No. And asthma is so much fun to swear. And glasses, which and become glasses. very important. And he's overweight. Like yeah. Golding's just like he's fat. Piggy's a little fat, fat. Um, and he's like, so this pathetic kind pathetic. of boy that they set up right away. Irritating. So instantly they set up like. The kid who's going to be the chief and his sidekick. Sad sidekick. Sad sidekick. And Piggy kind of forces himself to continue to be Ralph's sidekick. Yes. Like, Ralph doesn't particularly treat him nicely. No. Or I like I mean, him. ends up being nicer than everybody else, but I think I think Piggy, it seems like he senses early on, like, if I'm going to latch on to anybody, this is the only guy who's yep. going to... Yeah, so uh, so they see in the surf uh, a conch shell, not a conch shell, a conch shell, and uh, Piggy's like, you can blow those, I can't do it because I've got asthma. Now you can alert. <laughs> Blowing conches affects me asthma. I don't know why he's cockney now. No, but he's got a different accent than the other boys in the book. Like, That's he's true. a little lower class. He's fat, he's he bespectacled, he lives with his auntie, he's got a shittier accent. So Ra- Ralph blows the conch and all these kids start coming to the beach. They're like, where's the trumpet? Where's the trumpet? Yes. And they're dressed in, all we know about these boys, we know that they must be from the same like preparatory no, school. No, they're not. Um, oh, they're not? No, and that's what I think did is Did I so, read the same book? You did. <laughs> no, we did not. Um, we, I think um, most movie versions dress them in the same, but they don't know each other. The choir boys know each oh, other. Oh, that's right. The choir and, boys are in one group, yeah. and then there's kids like Ralph who are dressed. They talk about him, you know, in gray his shirt. Sc- gray shirt and his sweater, school sweater. And Piggy's and, got like a windbreaker on, so Piggy's like more public school, too. Um, that was one cool, cool thing I thought about the, the, the production of this at the Denver Center is all the kids were in very different school uniforms. Okay. And they made a point okay. to be like, they don't know each other. Then that's something that I missed. Surprise! Ta-da! I, thought, I probably would have missed it had I not been looking for it because of that play. But they are all school-age children, and we were guessing that the oldest is about 16. Yeah, so uh, Ralph and uh, another boy, the, the choir leader, who is a red-haired boy named Jack Meridue, who turns out to be a fucking big, important deal. Ooh, Jack Meridue. Oh, Jack Meridue. Um, How are you in choir, Jack Meridue? Yeah. I love also that he's like, in his qualifications, like, and I'm a tenor, and I can sing, so I should <laughs> be in charge. Asshole. So, like, Jack and Ralph are kind of the biggest kids. Jack mm-hmm. is um, red-haired, kind of like Ginger, and Ralph is blonde, and they're kind of both big. They're both kind of the oldest and most mature, and they're both sort of natural leaders. So they... They're already set up from the start as being a little bit opposite. Mm-hmm. And as the boys gather, they're like, we need a chief. And since Ralph had the conch and kind of called him together, they were immediately like, all right, great. He's our he's chief. He's the chief. And I feel like you do see a little bit of apprehension even from the beginning of Ralph not necessarily wanting that role. No, I totally agree. Like, he's kind of like, I, I don't know if I... I don't know if I want to be in charge of everybody. But he is very rational and fair-minded from the start so it makes sense that they would yeah I think he doesn't want to be in charge but he knows he has to be because he does have a good brain and a good heart yes and th- 
things are going to start getting messed up real quick if somebody's not in charge. And they do. Yeah. So Jack's a little bit salty that he didn't get to be the chief. Mm-hmm. But uh, Ralph's like, hey, dude, um, you're in charge of the choir. And you and the you're still in charge of them. They're yours. So you guys can go be hunters. And, you know, you can kind of have that band of people. And that sort of cheers Jack up. Yeah. Placates him a little bit. It's like, okay, cool. I've got my own group. Um, and then there's another boy who kind of emerges as an important character named Simon. Yes. Who's like. Who's also a biggin. Um, they've started, they start referring to the kids as biggins and littleins. Because the littleins. They're oh, like six years old. They're like. Yeah, the youngest kid. They're tiny and the big kids don't give two shits about them. No. Like Ralph kind of does. And Simon a yeah. little bit. But for the most part, all the, all the other kids, they just ignore them. Like they they're just it. kind of left to their own devices. Yeah. I feel like there's something so horrifying in that, even that image alone, just right off the bat. The fact of a group of small children that nobody is minding. <laughs> no. And they, they, they just seem to be like feral children on this island. Like they just kind of turn into these we- this weird little extra tribe. Yeah. Um, and there's one little boy with a birthmark on his face Aww. who, um, you know, comes to Ralph's notice and then there's a fire on the island, and we never see that little boy again. Yeah, so weird. Yeah, weird. Oh, fuck. And then the little ones are also the first to start talking about the beastie. <sighs> yeah, they've, they've convinced themselves that there's a monster in, on the island, that there's yes. a beast. And so everybody's all afraid of this beast. Yes. Uh, but so Ralph, being smart, knows that one of the first things they need to do is start to build a fire, not just for all of the reasons that you need fire, but he wants to get some good smoke going so that um, should a plane fly by, should a ship go by, that they will be noticed. Yeah, because so, he wants to get rescued. Right. So that's like his main mission. Um, and so they set they set the precedent right away that um, anytime they're starting a fire – they take poor old Piggy's glasses and use it to aim with the sun because these boys don't know how to do anything, really. Nope. You can tell that they're, for the most part, kind of just preppy boy, prep boys. Yep. They're like privileged private school kids. I yeah. feel like Piggy's public school. Although in England, public and private are different. Like, I think private means public and public means private. <laughs> and why? They drive on the wrong side. It's all this stuff. I don't get it. Pip, pip, England, cheerio. get it together. England. Um... Uh, but but yeah, but even though they don't really know what they're doing, Ralph does dictate that the first thing they need to do is they need to get a fire going and they need to try to create some sort of shelter. Yeah. So, and um, Jack and his hunters are like, we will keep the fire going. Yeah. They even say, they're like, we will take on that task. We will take on that responsibility. Yeah. So that's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And they and they start to build the shelters and the first one gets built by everybody. Second one gets built by a few of them. Mm-hmm. Third one gets built by Ralph and Simon and Piggy. And mm-hmm. it's also not very good. No. So you're already seeing like how quickly they will devolve from being helpful and trying to set up some semblance of a society. But it all kind of dissipates really quickly. Yeah, they want to play and have fun because they're boys. They're mm-hmm. under the age of 16-year-old boys. And yeah. so you have like Ralph who understands what needs to get done. Um and Piggy understands it too, but Piggy is such an irritating little turd. Oh, Piggy. Oh, Piggy. Oh. That, no, you know, nobody wants to listen to him. Even Ralph doesn't want to listen to him for the most of the book. There was one point early on when I started reading this where I texted Jess and I was like, man, I feel sorry for Piggy because I know it's coming, but damn it, does he do it to himself. Oh, yeah. I, I oh. live with my auntie and she runs a candy shop and I get all the sweets I want. Like, what, don't, why are you saying that Shut right up. now, Piggy? Come no. on, man. As we said, read the room, Piggy. Yeah. Read the room. Read the room. <laughs> like, you are. Hash, hashtag read the room, Piggy. <laughs> so, yeah. But immediately, I mean, immediately they introduce him as, my name is Piggy. And he becomes Piggy. Yeah. But he is. He's Ralph's kind of, I, I think Ralph even acknowledges that he needs to use some of the brains Piggy mm-hmm. has because Piggy does have some sensible ideas and tries to keep them sort of mm-hmm. contained. Well, and by the end of the book, when all this shit's gone down, Ralph is like, I miss talking to Piggy. Piggy had sense. Piggy was the only one who had sense. Yep. Um, Simon has sense too, but then he goes and a little bonkers. Crackers. Um, so in, in the progression of the story, um, there's basically the biggest incident when things start to go badly is uh, the hunter, Jack wants to hunt. So he's yes. got his band of hunters and he's all about getting a pig. And he's like, my spear's not quite right because I don't have a barb on it. So he's sort of obsessed with hunting and mm-hmm. he wants to go out and do that. 
So he finally gets a hunting party together and they make a successful hunting attempt. But by doing that, they let the fucking fire go yes. out. And at that moment, a ship comes by. Yeah. And Jack and Piggy and Simon's there too, seeing the ship? I can't remember. Yeah, Simon Ralph. is there. Ralph's Ralph. Ralph. Yeah. I'm just going to say right now, for some reason, Jack and Ralph, those Oh, it's are, really easy to switch. I'm, I do I'm going to switch them all the time. Sorry. Yeah. If I'm saying something that sounds wrong, it's probably because I'm saying the wrong name, <laughs> but meaning the right boy. Uh, so they go running up. They're pissed. And they're pissed. And so they're there by the burned out fire, and Jack and his hunters come back, like, super proud. And you can, <sighs> Jack just wants compliments, and Ralph just wants to read him the riot act about letting the fire go out. And so all of a sudden, these fissures start to happen. And... Like I said earlier, that scene, oh those three pages, it, it's chilling. And William Golding did such a good job because it kind of, I wrote, I think it's at like page 60-ish. So we're a little way into the book. This isn't a very long book. It's about 200 pages. Mm-hmm. But he has done such a good job of skillfully laying out the tension and what these little things mean that by the time you get to that point, it's just like... This is now the thing that has completely shifted, and now their relationships are everything's gonna be crazy from here on out. But I just that was really a testament to his skill as a writer. He laid he laid that groundwork so well. Oh, it's so hard to read because they if they had just phrased oh. things better if they had just managed to communicate a little differently. Like, and Ralph had had been like, hey, good job on hunting. That's mm-hmm. all Jack wanted. Mm-hmm. was like a, hey, good job, you just brought us food. And he, and it was wrong to let the fire go out because Jack really did fuck them. They could have gotten rescued. Yeah. They yeah. would have gotten rescued. But, oh. And, and it's just really showing that um, the tension between two people who both think that their thing is the most important mm-hmm. thing. For, for Jack, he really believes that hunting, and we need meat, and we need... To eat meat. And to him, that's the most important thing. To Ralph, it's the fire. Seeing those two come to the head is just... Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, I'd watch this. This is, this is going to be bad. And they're both the biggest boys. They're both natural leaders, and they're just fucking going at it. And it's, you know, Jack leads with the primal instinct, and Ralph leads with his head. And as we find out in the coming chapters, boys gravitate towards the primal. Like, mm-hmm. they don't want logic. They don't want rules. They can't even manage to, like, shit in the right place. Like, Jack, Ralph has to yell at him all. He's like, I said we need to go to the bathroom at this part of the beach, and you guys are going to the bathroom anywhere you want. Like, it's an issue. And yeah. They don't care. Yeah. Um, so the, the cracks are starting to emerge, and Jack storms off. And yep. this fucker named Roger goes after Ugh. him. Crazy-ass Roger. Crazy-ass Roger. Um, I mean, that's one of the scariest things, I think, about this book in general, which... I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, part, probably part of the reason why you have to read it, but it just it just showing how close anyone can be to that quick turn of, like, going just full savage and fuck the rules. Like, these are all boys from the same place, and it yep. just shows, like, how easy it is for one of them to shift into. And, I mean, Roger's one of the first ones to go. You can tell that he was he's given a little liberty to, like, oh, we can kill things and do whatever the hell we want. Sweet. Yep. Like, he's all in. And it's terrifying. Oh, yeah. Because they're so young. And to already know what that instinct is and to feed into it is is frightening. Well, this whole thing to me read, like, like I told you, like a choose-your-own-adventure book where the wrong choice was made at every single mm-hmm. turn. Um, oh wait, let's finish the summary and then oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. speed through the summary because we'll have more to talk about. <laughs> so basically, there's um they think there's a monster. Uh, there's an aerial battle over the island one night, and a pilot crash lands and dies and like hangs in his parachute in the trees. Mm-hmm. And they little boys see him and thinks he's the beast, and they run back and um freak out. And Jack's been having these feasts with his hunters, and so finally Ralph and Piggy are like, well, let's go to the feast. Yeah. Um, Let's go participate. And they're eating roast pig. And they're welcomed. Like, they're not shunned. Yeah, like Jack Jack said to him, you know, we're going to be, we're going to have a feast later. And if you want food, we'll give you some food. Yeah, so they're, they're, things are tense, but they're not enemies yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and they start doing this, like, dance. And they're, they're, they're doing the chant about kill the pigs, cut its throat, spill, spill, spill its, its blood. blood. And they 
go into like this fucking tribal, like primal kind of ritual. And poor Simon has uh, um, has found the pilot. And he was like, oh my God, it's not a beast at all. It's just a dead man. I've got to go tell everybody that mm-hmm. there's no danger. So Oof. Simon comes running in and it's dark and it's a storm and comes into the middle of the circle and everyone freaks out and thinks he's the beast and fucking beat him to death. Mm-hmm. So this poor sweet soul who's kind of like the heart of this group of boys is mercilessly beaten and they disperse, and the tide carries his body away, and he's just washed off the island. And before that, there's such there's that really weird foreshadowing moment, because Lord of the the turn the title comes from um, when they had murdered. That was also one of the disturbing parts of the book was when they murdered that sow pig. Yeah, and they end up um, Jack and his team of hunters, and they cut the head off, and they decide to put it on a spike. Oh uh, yeah, a, and they. A stick sharpened at both ends. Which, that comes into That's play later. super important. Um, and so they've put this pig head on a spike, and they say they're leaving it, like, as an offering for the beast. And what? And Simon is in his, like, meditation bush bush area. Yeah, Simon's got a little leafy grotto where he just goes <laughs> Where he just out. likes to, like, chill. And um, so he sees this happening, and he starts, there's this scene. It's like he's having this weird, like... Pig skull tarts talking He's to like, him. I'm like, si- I think like Simon ate found some weird mushrooms. Like I think Simon found a stash of drugs in the f- and he like is on the no, not really. But he's, he's like tripping hard and he's communicating with this pig's head and the pig's head and the guts have are circling, have been circled with flies and there's flies all around them and so that's when now he starts looking at the pig head as the lord of the flies. There's also, um, so Simon faints a lot, and a lot of folks think he's epileptic. <laughs> oh! So there could be something else going on. Simon. So sweet Simon is also epileptic. But yeah, but he, before he has this moment where he runs in and then is ultimately murdered, he's like kind of communing with this pig's head, and the pig's head is kind of like trying to warn him that something bad is going to happen to him. Yeah, that the other boys are going to kill him. Yeah, and it, that's totally, it, so it's, it's so... That's another example of, like, this tension that he lays. Like, you know it's coming. Mm-hmm. But he's able to, su- William Golding's able to successfully, like, pull that off in a way that it's still totally horrifying. Yeah, and you just hope and you hope and you hope mm-hmm. that, like, this won't happen. Right. But it happens. And one cool thing that William Golding does is, like, he switches referencing to them. Like, when Simon busts into the circle, when, it, when we need to see it from the perspective of the boys, he calls Simon the Beast. Mm. And then the next paragraph will call him Simon when we need to know who it is. So, I mean, it's a third-person sto- uh, narration. So he never goes from anybody. He's kind of Jack's, Ralph's point of view sometimes. Right. But when he, and he does that with, same with the chief and Jack. Yes, yes. I was going to say that because there's a moment where Jack has gone full chief and Smeared with like become the ch- and from black that and point green on, paint. it's like they barely use the name. I don't even think they really do the name Jack anymore. They just start referring to him as the chief said this yeah. and the chief did that. It's really chilling. It's creepy. Um, yeah. So uh, Simon's horribly murdered, mm-hmm. and and uh, Ralph and Piggy have witnessed this. Oh, and the twins and too. And the twins and both of them when they come back together oh, after that's this. Oh, so sad. All of them are like. Hey, how long did you stay at the feast? Oh, we left pretty early. Yeah, how- we left early too. Oh, okay, cool. So everybody's like, they they all know what they did, and none of them admit it because they didn't. And and they even say like, well, we saw. I think the twins say, well, we saw you dancing a little bit. And Ralph and Piggy are like, oh no no, we it was at the very end, and it was only yeah. because they made us, and we were outside of the circle. Yeah, Piggy's really like, I was outside. I was. So outside the they circle. really are trying to justify the fact. I mean. But that's a case of, yeah, they didn't beat Simon to death, but they stood there yeah. and let it happen. And Piggy even says, we we did a murder. Yeah. And Jack's like, no, uh, Ralph rather is like, no, 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 no. Um, he's in hardcore denial about yeah. it too. Yeah. Um, so that really freaks those four out. Um, right. Kind of the good guys. The good guys we have left are uh, Ralph, Piggy, and Sam and Eric. And not one guy named Simneric. <laughs> um, it took me quite a few pages, because they... They've just been referring to the twins as the twins. They don't really call them by their names. And then in other sections, they're talking about it's spelled, it's Sam and Eric with an N in the middle. But the way it looks, it looks like Samneric. And I was like, who is this kid named Samneric? He's never around. Oh, wait, it's Sam and Eric. You're very smart, Lauren. It was like Joey Tribbiani where he didn't realize Joe was a girl in Little Women and he had to go back and start the book over. That's I think that's what I needed to do. Yeah. Um, but Sam and Eric are like 
this book's version of the Weasley twins. We love Sam and Eric. We love them. Uh, so you know, after that, things go downhill very oh, rapidly. Real fast. Um, Jack or Ralph tries to call. I did it again. Tries to call another meeting, and basically Jack is like, "Fuck you, we're out of here." Oh yeah, and then that's the other thing uh, that Jack. So Ralph has said, you know, we're going to build a fire. Fine, then if we're splitting up, Mm -hmm. the fire's ours. You guys get to hunt. So they don't have their own fire anymore. So they decide they're going to steal fire from Ralph and Piggy. Yeah, so Ralph and Piggy and Sam and Eric are in the shelters with the little ones who are, other than that, are just fucking running wild all over the island. And in the middle of the night, they hear a sound and Piggy wakes Ralph up and he's like Ralph I hear the beast and you hear a fucking voice be like Piggy we want you Piggy so those guys are fucking with him they're not only stealing his glasses they're being shitheads yeah um, which P- Piggy is bullied throughout this whole book. Poor Piggy. I and mean, really, he can't catch a freaking break. Merciless. And then just when he can catch a break, he says something stupid. So like, again, read the room, Piggy. Yep. So then you know they <laughs> Piggy then starts having an asthma attack, and the the bad guys rush into the shelter and there's a huge fucking fight and like Je- uh, Ralph needs needs somebody in the balls. No, Ralph gets me <laughs> in the balls. The twins need somebody in the balls. I was wondering if the twins need Jack in the ball- Ralph in the balls. <laughs> Lots of ball kneeing. Lots of ball kneeing. Because um, boys will be boys. But during that attack, Piggy's glasses are stolen. Yes. And they... They get some sticks that they light up with fire. They run off with those, and they run off with the glasses. Yeah. So, so poor fucking Piggy cannot see. Like, his eyesight's it already, a Because they are, were already broken. Oh, yeah, because he got punched in the face by Jack. So they were. he was already down to one glass. <sighs> I noticed that, too. William Golding had a lot of really creative ways of, of explaining how Piggy would polish his glasses. <laughs> and it was like... just the poor regression of his glasses and like he's polishing his glasses now he's polishing one side now he's polishing the glass (laughs) (laughs) poor Poor piggy Piggy. so they they so their enough is enough and now they're down to just those few yep and so the glasses have been stolen and piggy's freaking out he's like do something ralph do something and he like creates this great speech he's like we still have the conch we still matter we got to go tell him to give my glasses back and you're just like no don't don't do that Don't, don't 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 do that they're not gonna let it go. No, just just maybe be blind for a while and come up with a plan to steal him back. Yeah. Don't go. Yeah. But of course they go marching up. And it's the one time Piggy's gonna like assert himself. He yep. comes up with this whole speech. He's gonna tell Jack about why he needs his glasses back. Because and... it's the right thing to do. Oh, you... <sighs> so they get up there and of course it does not go well. And above them, there's like... They they set up guards. The ba- I'm just gonna call them the bad kids. They yeah. set up guards... And they're like, why are you coming here? You can't be here. And Ralph's like, look, dude, we just want the glasses. And then Jack comes out of the forest with two hunters, and he's all painted. One of them's probably Roger. Right, of course. Probably Roger and fucking Morris. <sighs> and um, no, no, Roger's on the cliff. Oh, right, right, right. That comes into play yep. shortly. So uh, they're arguing, and these there's little thunk sounds, and Roger's throwing stones at them. And they're like, great. Yeah. <laughs> I love the description. They're like, from Roger's point of view, Jack or Ralph was a thatch of blonde hair, and Piggy was a fat, wide target. You're like, Piggy. And he's got his hand on a lever because they booby-trapped it so he can basically hoist a rock off this cliff. And he does. And the first one misses Piggy, hits him in the front, and then that glancing, that blow knocks him off a cliff, and he falls off a 40-foot cliff. And lands on a patch of like red rock in the in the sea. Yeah, and the description of that is not pleasant. Oh no! Piggy's head burst, and red stuff came out of it. Yeah, yeah. And after that, it's oh, like, and they've also um, abducted Sam and Eric at this point. Yes, they've, they've they've not so skillfully tied up Sam and Eric, and they're laying there. So Ralph is now yeah, his two friends are on captured. His own yeah. And um, as Ralph bolts, the twins are tied up, and basically Roger approaches them. And is like, you're going to join our tribe. Yeah. And then something scary happens. Yeah. They don't ever say what scary things Roger does, but... No, but there's other scenes where they've talked about, you know, some kid who did something they didn't like, so they tied him up and beat the crap out of him. So they, they allude to... It doesn't take much for Jack and Roger to take out vengeance on one of the other mm-hmm. kids. And Jack is obsessed with Ralph. I mean, just yeah, they, oh yeah, like he's not gonna let him go. No. So um, they're they're gonna go hunting the next day, and they're gonna go hunt for Ralph. And he tells him to sharpen a stick on both ends. Yeah, here it comes. And I like that Golding doesn't tell us what that means. No. He just lets us remember that when they killed the pig, one side went in the ground, one side went in the pig, mm-hmm. pig's head, and they're gonna do the same fucking thing, Jack. 
Ralph. Fuck. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the twins, Ralph, uh, Ralph runs into the twins. Yeah, they have they, now been, you know, tribalized. absorbed into the tribe. Mm-hmm. But they still, they're the ones who tell him this. Like, yeah. hey, man, they're they're hunting you next. They've got this stick sharpened on both ends. We and Jack's what like, that what is, and Ralph, I mean, is like, what does it mean? Because it takes him a while to think of it. Yeah, they're He's hunting like, you, man. Yeah, they're, fuck. Hey, bro. So he comes up with this, hey, bro, they're hunting you. <laughs> Do you remember that improv set we did where I sharpened a stick on both ends and threatened you with it? I think so. <laughs> I think so. Sorry about that. <laughs> now I know what that means. <laughs> I think this is the Jack same wanted one. to kill me in an improv scene. Sorry. That's all right. I think it was the same one where I was the capuchin monkey. Oh, that was a good hey, girl. hey, girl. Hey, um, girl. So, so Ralph is like, well, shit. So he has a great plan to hide. So he hides in a thicket nearby. Mm-hmm. And then one of the twins rats him out. And then they start throwing rocks at him. And then they throw bigger rocks at him. And there's one rock left at the top of the cliff. And he's like, that looks like it's the size of a tank. And you're like, uh, Ralph, you need to go. This is like the lottery to the max. Oh. <laughs> this is the lottery on steroids. Oh, shit. It is. It's the lottery <laughs> vacation edition. Um, <laughs> And then they set fire to the thicket that he's hiding in, and mm-hmm. he goes. So he starts running. They've got a line chasing him down the island. It's, uh, it's a bad image. And he's he's looking at his choices. He's like, do I climb a tree? Do I try to break the line like the boar that the, when they were, were not hunting well? Mm-hmm. And finally, or do I hide? And he eventually decides to hide, and he's hearing noises and realizes it's fire. And he just goes running. Mm-hmm. And I, I think at some point he does stab a kid with a yes. spear. Yeah, he gets over. somebody. Yeah. And he goes tearing down to the beach and is, I mean, being followed. Like, Ralph is about to get killed. Mm -hmm. And he runs smack into a British naval officer, an adult. Ta-da! Ta-da! Deus ex machina! And the naval officer's like, what are you guys doing? Playing at war? (laughs) Oh, you silly kids. You silly kids. That was such an interesting choice to me. Mm -hmm. the, The way the officer approaches him. And it's probably because of what you said about that other book. Mm -hmm. But the the officer, it's not even like a, are you okay? Oh my God, how many more of there are you? Or what's going on here? Mm -hmm. The officer is just very... (laughs) No, he's kind of very matter of fact. Like, what are you boys doing? And then he, and Ralph tells him, he's like, there have been two deaths. They're trying to kill me. Um, These boys disappeared and things are not good. And the officer's like, I thought I would have expected British boys to behave better than that. Yes. Yeah, because one of the first things he asks him if, there are any adults, any grown-ups with you? And Ralph tells him no, and the officer's fun and games. <laughs> are you playing at war? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and that's and then the other boys end up on the beach, like painted, carrying fucking spears, and they all turn back into children. And, and Ralph like, finally breaks <sighs> down, and it's it's just, like you've wanted him to do this the whole time. But then, um, oh yeah, so he jolly good show, like the Coral Island. So what mm-hmm. were you saying about so uh, Coral Island? That's one of the things the officer says at the end. Yeah, like Coral Island. I was like, what the hell is that? And it was an 1858 novel, The Coral Island, A Tale of the Pacific Ocean, which was like a ro- sort of Robinson Crusoe-esque. That was really popular then. With more swears? With more swears. <laughs> Damn, hell-ass kings. Um, <laughs> About this sort of situation with kids shipwrecked or stranded on the not shipwrecked in that case on an island, but things turned out well. They behaved well. They had a nice time of it, and the evil was external. So anything bad that happened came out of them. And William Golding is like, that's not what would happen. No. So in 1954, like many, many, many decades later, he wrote what he thought would happen because he thought the Coral Island was bullshit. Yeah, and, and I kind of agree. Yeah. So that's the plot of Lord of the Fucking Flies. <sighs> We just took you through that whole book, and um, I'm feeling mildly traumatized again now. Yeah, it's just so tense, and you just know everything bad happens. All all of the worst things happen at the same time, and you're just like, if somebody had made a different choice, if there just hadn't been that fucking rainstorm during the dance, if Jack and Piggy didn't, Ralph and Piggy didn't decide to go to the feast that time. Or if Ralph and Jack had even attempted to, like, work together... Yeah. Really, because they really don't. I mean, even from the beginning, it's like, okay, you can go over here and hunt. I'm going to go over here and do this. They aren't really mm-hmm. trying to make it a cohesive group. I don't even think they ever really take a full tally of who's all there. No, Piggy's supposed to be getting names. And, and he's like, he how am I supposed he to get names? can't do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they lose track, like, the, the, the little one who died in the fire. Yeah, so, um, so they're not the most organized from the get. So I think this is the first, this is definitely the first thing we've read that, there's not a single female 
in this whole entire book. Nope. Other than the female pig. Oh. Which is really depressing. Yeah. You were disturbed by that. You were really, really disturbed well, by it that. Well, it really, it's, it's unsettling. It's one of the first pigs that they kill, but they shows that the boys, Jack, and they're all looking at this field of pigs who are just chilling, just minding their business, and they zero in on the mother right away. And they even say that she's got like 10 piglets. Oh, it's so sad. And so the fact that they ch- that's the one that they chose to pick off really bothered me. And just the whole, it, it takes, ugh, that whole scene. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, but it's interesting to read something that has... No female point of view. None at all. I think, And they don't even talk about, like, their mothers. No, or, Piggy talks about his auntie, and that's it. But, yeah, but not even really in detail. No, just none to of say them, that he lives with her. Yeah, none of them have girlfriends back home. No. Like, if, you know, some of Jack and Ralph should be of the age where they could have a girlfriend if they wanted, but... Yeah, but nothing. Nope. It is a very, very masculine island. Yeah. Uh, well, so out of all the, all the menses, all the boyses, who's your favorite character? I developed a really soft spot for Simon this time. Well, I mean, it's hard not to, but I think I've read it this time really focused a lot more on him, I think, than I had when I've read it in the past. So I like Ralph a lot, even though he makes some bonehead moves. Mm -hmm. But Simon, man, there's just, and, and there's still things to me that are kind of a mystery about his character. Yeah, why does he go down that path? Why does he start to go a little bonkers? Like, yeah. And so he's so young. Like, there's something so disturbing to me that he becomes that unhinged at, you know, 15, 16. Yeah. So quickly. Well, he's totally my favorite character, too. Yeah. I was like, I'm sorry, a sensitive boy who uh, dies horribly? <laughs> Probably going to be my Sign favorite character. Johnny Cade? <laughs> How'd you get on that island? <laughs> oh, our sweet little Simon. Yeah. He, but, yeah. Everybody else is flawed. I mean, even Jack and Ralph and Piggy, who we are supposed to like, and I do like them, mm-hmm. but they both have some serious flaws. You're oh, like, yeah. Ralph is a little arrogance, the wrong word, because that implies a bit of dickishness, but he is filled with an, with some bare, like self-confidence. Like, yes, he's, he's too certain about things that he, mm-hmm. you realize, knows nothing about, which I guess is a little bit of, like, teenage boy arrogance. Yep. Like, that's... Or just teenagers in general. Well, and the fact that he's also cruel to Piggy for most of yeah. the book. Like, yeah. he's just that teenage boy here to pick on the low man. There's that scene that breaks my heart where Piggy's talking to a, It's like late at night and Piggy's talking to Ralph and just saying, you have, you and Jack have to get along because if you don't and you're gone, what's going to happen to me? Like, yeah, Ralph, you're the, you're the only one who protects me. Mm-hmm. And if you're gone... I'm toast. And it ends up being kind of true. Yeah, no, it's totally true. Was that your favorite part, you think? That conversation? I liked that moment a lot. I think my favorite part is still that, even though it was so disturbing, that, that scene I, with um, that we were talking about with the, when the fire went out. Oh, Just God. because it's so well written. It's so well crafted. Oh, my God. But I do love that moment where, because there really aren't very many moments in the book of, of them talking to each other and contemplating what's going to happen to them or anything like mm-hmm. that. They kind of just barrel ahead. And I did like those. There's a couple of brief moments where Ralph and Piggy kind of are boys. Like you really see that they're scared. They're children still. They're scared. Everybody's scared. And then the bad kids like mask it with the bravado. They're like, right. instead of being scared, I'm going to be aggressive. Which I guess is a big question of this book in general. Is like how much of their actions came out of that fear. Mm-hmm. Or how much of it was they just wanted to. You know, that's the scariest part of all of it. Yeah. Is the moments where you go, I think they're just... They're on this island by themselves and there's no adults. So they're going fucking nuts. <laughs> I just got a text. It says, how was podcast? Oh, we ain't done. <laughs> we got miles to go before we sleep. You know, the part stuck out, that really stuck out to me this time, um, minor, minor part, is when those three little ones are playing in the sand and one of them wanders down the beach and like, I think he sees some jellyfish and is mm-hmm. like playing with jellyfish and Roger kind of stalks him along the tree line and is like hiding in the trees. <sighs> I was just filled with this sense of dread, like something bad was going to happen to that boy at that time. Was his name Henry or John? Henry or John? I think Johnny? it's Henry, yeah. 
We're going to call him Henry. Yeah. Um, and then Roger's like throwing rocks at him and he doesn't really understand that somebody's throwing rocks. Yeah. And it was just... So menacing. So me- Foreshadowing for the shit that Roger... The yeah. rocks that he throws later. Like, you, in that moment, you were like, he could hurt that kid. And he yeah. doesn't. But he does later. And oh, the just, foreshadowing in this book oh. is on point. I have a feeling this is that's maybe one of the reasons that schools have people read this, the structure of it. And there's so many um, literary devices in here that are just done so well. Oh, it's beautifully done. Um, I think rather than, we talked a little bit about this. Um, we used to talk about our least favorite character, but um, I think we've got a new development for season two, which yeah. is, we, ha- we have a new award. <laughs> We're going to call it the Sucks to Your Asthmar Award. The biggest asshole in the book. And I think everybody knows that the recipient of the uh, Sucks to Your Asthmar Award for Lord of the Flies goes to fucking Jack Meridu. Because fuck you, Jack Meridu. You suck. Jack Meridu, you are the worst. You are the worst. But we do have a runner-up. Psychopath Roger. Psychopath Roger. He is batshit cray. <laughs> yeah. Should Jack Meridu not be able to take on the uh, the Dude. moniker of the Sucks to Your Asthmar Award? I think we can pass that on to Roger. Roger can definitely, definitely do it. Um, I think we never learned Piggy's name because that's also fucking foreshadowing. I think also foreshadowing that he becomes a target just like the pigs that they hunt. Right. Like, he doesn't get another identity because he's just Piggy. Yeah. No, from the beginning. It's no mistake that that's the thing that they're hunting on mm-hmm. the island, and then that's what his nickname is. Yep. I mean, that William Golding clearly did that on purpose. But I agree. Um, it, and in fact, it's written in such a way that if I didn't already know what actually happened to Piggy, I would think that it was building up to them hunting him. Yeah. For sure. Like, I thought you would think that that's how he's going to go, which makes his death even a little more surprising. I mean, in a way they do, because they, they're they clearly aiming to drop that rock on him, but actually hunting him. But yeah, it's a bummer. <laughs> well, I don't. I wonder what would have happened to Piggy if, because, um, you know, what if, what if Jack and Ralph met each other first? Like, I think Ralph gets bonded with Piggy because he meets him first, and he mm-hmm. feels responsible for this inept little turd. And I think, you know, even though he's mean to him, he still protects him. Yeah. But what if he didn't have that bond? What if Piggy had no protection at all? Yeah. Or what if Jack found the conch and blew it first and people elected him leader immediately and Ralph had sort of been the beta? Like, do you think... Do you think it was always going to go this way? I mean, they ultimately always needed Piggy for the fire Mm -hmm. because of his glasses. But I, I do. I, th- I think ultimately he was destined to take the fall just because of who he is and how these boys, what these boys turned into. Yeah. What's, what's, a, what's life like after this? No. They- <laughs> hey, guys, remember that time we all went to that island? Oh, my Isn't God. Isn't that crazy? Do they face any penalties? I mean, I don't know. International waters. I guess you're allowed to murder people <gasps> in international waters. They're just kids. They're just kids. that's the other thing they are. They're just minors. So what is... Well, then... What the fuck's going on in the outside world? Because this is an unidentified nuclear war. Obviously, it's fictional. But we th- we think, Lauren and I were thinking that they're flying maybe the kids to Australia. Yeah, like, where are they even going? What? Pl- where were they going on that plane that got yeah. shot down? British school kids going from England over the Pacific. Where are they going? So we don't know. Yeah. And we don't know. What's so, like, they, they're on this island. No idea what's happening in the outside world. All of their parents, they mentioned a couple times, maybe our parents are dead. Maybe mm-hmm. you're, you don't know where your auntie is, Piggy. Like, what if the world has blown up and civilization is just this island now? Because they, they have no idea what's happening outside. Yeah. And what happens after this? I mean, they go home, but if it's post-war, in a post-war world where they're picking up the pieces, they really probably don't care that a bunch of boys went savage on an island. Right. That's like the least of their worries. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're okay, worries. Great. You're alive, uh, just don't do it again. Yeah, exactly. Jack, Jack goes on to be a just full-time serial killer. Oh, my fucking God. Um, is my guess. But, yeah, so this, that's the uh, Sucks to Your Asthma Award. Sucks to Your Asthma Award. <laughs> those um, will be coming up in the future, I'm sure. <laughs> Every book has an asshole. Uh, we're going to be giving out a lot of those. So this, this was one of, when we first talked about doing a podcast, this was one of our goal books to do because it has one of the best Simpsons associations of all time. Oh, my God. There was a whole episode called uh, Das Bus. It's, it's in season nine of The Simpsons. You know we love our season, Simpsons references. Yeah. Um, and it basically is the Simpsons version of Lord of the Flies. It's amazing. And it has so many great oh, quotes. Oh, man. The Ralph Wiggum, it tastes like burning. 
and the damn hell ass kings. And Millhouse becomes Piggy. <laughs> Millhouse becomes Piggy. His... They break his glasses. Who is um, this? Who's saying that? Uh, and then they totally appropriate the chant. Should we play the the chant? The... Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kill the dorks. Bash their butts. Kick their shins. Kill the dorks. Bash their butts. Run away. It's whoever wrote that episode fucking did their research. Yes. Because they are so spot on. This is like classic literary Simpsons. But they're also, so you, were, you, were, you talked a little bit about it. There is a play version, which they did at Denver mm-hmm. Center just a few years ago. I didn't yeah. get to see it. but uh, I did see it. And I was working in education at that time. So I would let a lot of the talkbacks. And it was really cool because they did a ton of student matinees. But the cast was young. They wanted the youngest actors they could get. So, you know, there were some teenagers. There were some, the leads were young looking, older Mm -hmm. kids, or maybe late teens. But um, the kid who played Piggy had just done Pugsley Adams, the original Pugsley Adams (laughs) and the Adams Family. I love that. The guy who played Ralph, which they pronounced Rafe in that production, uh, he's in Book of Mormon right now. So they had an incredibly talented cast. And uh, kind of tying in the end of the Simpsons episode when James Earl Jones is like, and then the kids were rescued by. Oh, let's say Mo, Because the end of this is so... And they were rescued by a naval officer. Exactly. But that naval officer was played by my husband, Jeffrey Kent. Oh, hey. With a mustache. Excellent. And a white suit. Well. So sexy as fuck. So Jess was real into that. Oh, yeah. I've loved watching that mustache in action. You can sit through all the horror of this play just to get to that moment at the end. But it was done um, in the space theater mm-hmm. that so was in the round, filled with sand. They bust... They cut, took away some of the audience parts to put cliffs and it was really gorgeous and they beat Simon to death in front of the fucking audience it was a great product directed by Anthony Powell who is an amazing oh, director yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's awesome it was so good but it, it, it uh, really resonated with the students I mean you see students coming to plays and they're kind of like eh, I'm gonna fucking play but this one they were on the edge of their seat yeah, it's their story it's them right I mean I you know I feel like that's probably one of the reasons the people still have to read this. It's a cautionary tale. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's not to give kids tips. No. Hey, oh, kids. If you're stranded on a desert island. Yeah, well, there's some there's reasons that you always make the reference of, oh my God, it's like Lord of the Flies in there. Yeah. Just because kids left to their own devices will go fucking nuts. Yeah. I think you've said a lot why, why the fuck we had to read this book. Yeah. Um, it's a cautionary tale. It's beautifully crafted. Amazing examples of mm-hmm. just writing style um at the age kids would be reading it they are that actual age mm-hmm. so that's that's always good for you know especially in high school I feel like when teachers can select a book that has the characters that are the actual age of the children who are reading it like yeah this outsiders that's probably why nobody fucking likes Tess of the Durbervilles yeah because it's stupid because they're boring ladies, and who cares? <laughs> who cares? But, but judging by the reactions you saw of, of uh, schools coming to see it, mm-hmm. like, it, it totally makes sense. Yep. If they see themselves in that. Like, kids kids will go fucking... The kids are mean. Yeah. It, kids are assholes. I'm more interested in what happens, like, in the little in society. Oh, man. Because, I mean, children children can be cruel like mm-hmm. of that age six they, they basically know that they're hungry and that they're scared and that they, they don't really have that conscience yet so i'm like what did those little ones get up to right because they were the, the, they don't really go too into it mm-hmm. which makes it even scarier because yeah, right before that scene where roger stalks the little boy down the beach the three are playing together and they're fucking chucking sand at the kid yeah they're, to make him cry this like little whiny yeah, guy in fact once they percival no per yeah, I think it is Percival. In fact, once they see that it makes him cry, they do it more. Yep. Because they're little kids and they're jerks. Mm-hmm. And the big kids are not much better. Yeah. Um, um, so uh, my discussion question for you, my discussion, um, <laughs> would be, uh, what would this book look like if it was an all-girls school that crashed instead of an all-boys? Uh, well, I'm going to start off by saying William Golding addresses that in the, the forward to the audiobook. He's basically like, people always ask me why there are no girls, and he's like, girls wouldn't do this. Um, women are better than men. And I was like, thank you, William Golding. But he also was like, well, we can't also have a mixed gender school, because then that would um, put sex into the mix. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he didn't want to have that book be about that. That would have been If, if there mess. were 16-year-old girls on the, or if there were any female on that island with 16-year-old boys, something bad would have happened. Yeah. It yeah. would have been bad. Um, 
I think the first thing that would have been different is that they would have taken care of the little girls. If the little ones were girls and the big ones are girls, they would have been taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it would have gotten to mean girls. I think it would have to have to depend on the personality of the alphas. Because um, I have a, my next question for you kind of touches in on that. Mm-hmm. But I, I think girls would not have done this. I agree. Um, I think they would have had that signal fire fucking on. I think they would have taken care of the little ones. I think they would have built better shelters. Yeah. I think they would not have killed pigs. I think they would have just eaten the fruit. Um, and they would have been rescued a lot sooner because they wouldn't have let that fire go out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think would have happened? Um, pretty much an agreement. Um, and even though this is before the internet, by the end they would have all like opened their own Etsy shops and like created their own commerce and become like a well-functioning society. And <laughs> I, I'm not saying that a group of, of girls of scared children would necessarily like be perfect, but I don't, I think more of that maternal instinct Mm -hmm. would kick in rather than that instinct for violence. Well, some of the boys, do you, I think a lot of mean girl behavior comes from trying to impress boys. Yeah. So if there are no boys on this Island, I think the girls would have just buckled up and taken care of each other. Now I do think, cause I've, it had me flash back a little bit to the crucible mm-hmm. and just like that mob mentality that anyone could get into. Um, I, I, and I feel like there could be potential for, for that, for something, but I just don't envision a group of girls going after each other. Well, like what if, um, as quickly, like the way that these guys, what did. if Abigail Williams was one of the girls? Well, yeah. Do you, I, could she have wielded that? Because I feel like she was a shithead because of John Proctor. Exactly. Because you're, you're right. To... You come up with that point. And she pulled all those lies to protect herself from trouble because of a man. Mm-hmm. But if there's no man, would she have been that inherently evil? I think yeah. she would have been an asshole still. Mm-hmm. But So my just question is, is there any world that you see where this doesn't happen? Because as I mentioned a million times, it feels like a choose-your-own-adventure where they always choose the wrong side. Is there a world... Is there any time when things could have fallen in place where they would have lived peacefully? With this group of boys. Yes and no. You are allowed to imagine that in your... Like, what if Jack hadn't been there? What if Jack had died in the crash? Right. What if Ralph hadn't been there and Jack had been in charge the whole time? Would it have devolved into this mess? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. That's a really... Because is is Jack's evilness brought out by being... being threatened by Ralph or would there always have been that personality that would have come out like would it have just been Roger instead or well, like, you know how like in Heather's basically when one Heather goes the next Heather just becomes the same fucking Heather in this in this world if there had been no Ralph and would Jack have been set up against Roger or mm-hmm. would Jack have been set up against Simon I think there's certain things in it that are just like unfortunately like for a character like Piggy I think that just is his destiny. I think something was going to happen to him regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as it escalating so quickly, I don't know. I The concept of time is weird for me with this book mm-hmm. too. I was talking about that, like how quickly this all actually even happened. Um, because it does seem awfully fast. Yeah, Uh I feel like over one chapter break, all of a sudden they, their hair grows and their skin is tan and they're not they're, getting sunburned yeah. anymore. And... But I don't know. When it comes to just human nature, the pessimist in me thinks that this is something that could always inevitably happen just because it's just a human conclusion. beings are. I mean, if you put a group of guys on, or, you know, on a deserted island... I think there's always potential for this to be the end or for that violence or for, I just, I don't know. Well, they, they take the easy route. Like what Ralph is telling them is that we need to have rules. We need to have structure. We need to not have fun in order to maybe get rescued. Right. And Jack is just like, let's go stab things. Sucks to your rules. Sucks to your rules. <laughs> yeah. Let's go stab stuff. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting to think of it from that perspective because it's like, are those just inherent 
human qualities that are going to come through no matter who the human beings are. There's always going to be a Jack. There's always going to be a Ralph. There's always, you know? Yeah. Or was it this specific group? Or if it was a, like, if it was a group of Ralphs, Piggies, and Simons, would, would somebody still have emerged evil? Like, mm-hmm. if it was, you know, you have that six Jack type, six... Or, excuse me, not Jack. God damn it. You know what I'm talking about. Ralph. Yeah. I just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would like to think that it wouldn't, but there's just a big piece of me that thinks something's always bound to go wrong mm-hmm. in this type of scenario. Yeah. I, I don't think there's... A, I can't really see a good example of this not going badly. Yeah. And I think that that's why he had to put the officer in at the end of the day is ex machina of, or, of sorts because otherwise this book would have just ended with eventually them all like well they would have killed Ralph for sure yeah well, and what a uh, what a bummer that would have been I wonder if that was what he wanted the original ending to be was them just killing Ralph and that was the end of the story and now they're like well fuck now what yeah but I because do you think that then there would be a moment for Jack where he's like oh shit I've now killed up like because the hunting is fun and all, but they really didn't have survival skills. No. And they just burned down the island. What are they going to eat? Yeah. Like, Ralph even says, they just burned down all the fruit trees. What are they going to eat? The pigs are running scared. Like, I think I think that if the officer hadn't come, they would have definitely murdered Ralph. And then they would have started turning on each other. Mm-hmm. I think somebody would always have been alone. I bet the twins would have gone next. Yeah. Um, I bet Roger just would, would have wanted more bloodshed, more bloodshed. And then what happens when the fucking little ones Well, that's grow what up? I was going to say. Are they going to start then picking off the little ones? Mm-hmm. Or are the little ones going to rise up? Yeah, once they, like if they're there for the rest of their lives, when the little ones get big and sized, are they going to fucking revolt? Be like, you were mean to us when we were kids. The future is bleak. <laughs> it's a good thing that officer showed up. Yeah. <laughs> God, yeah, if the rest of the world had blown up in a nuclear war and that was the end of, that civilization was on that island only. Fuck. Screwed. It would have been bad. Yeah, human existence would have been over. Because <laughs> they are not getting long. No, and also no girls. And also, yeah, that's true. Meh. Meh. So, um, I don't know. I think that's, that pretty much covers Lord of the Flies. Oh. If we've given you nightmares, we apologize. Man, um, go watch that... something really funny to... Uh... Hey, did you ever watch any of the movies of it? There's a 1960s version, and uh, I think Balthazar Getty was in the 90s version. Oh, yeah? He's no, I haven't. Boy. I haven't seen any of the movie. And it, this is one of those where I'm like, I don't think I want to. I The imagery is enough for me just reading it. I don't need to see this visualized on screen. No, and uh, The really Simpsons okay did it. a good enough job. Yeah, exactly. I like the funny version. It's such an amazing episode. It really television. is. Check that out. Das Bus. Das Bus. And I, I love too in the Das Bus episode is that they're the model UN going in. So they've like set up this sort of like, <laughs> we're a perfect civilization. This is what society is. And then they immediately devolve. Really is a great extra layer. Oh, the Simpsons. Early Simpsons is so freaking smart. Speaking of smart, our next book has a really smart young protagonist. Yeah. And we're so excited to be doing something that's not horrifying and bloody and we were just living in boyland well now you're gonna get a full-fledged kick-ass little girl because we're reading Roald Dahl's Matilda which is just fantastic and we've already heard from a couple of you that you're excited about that and that makes us happy yeah. because we haven't talked about Roald Dahl at all yet no and I'm and sure he's that so that's great. gonna be very exciting yeah he's 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 required like I remember I had to read James oh, yeah. the Giant Peach like yeah I didn't I wasn't required to read Matilda but I know that yeah, I think it was James and the Giant Peach mm-hmm. also. I know that there was... Or BFG, maybe. Oh, yeah, I think BFG, BFG is too. in school. Yeah. yeah, all of them are required somewhere about. Yeah, but, um, he's... so that'll be good. So, so yeah, grab, a, grab a, your copies of Matilda. I'm very excited because the audiobook is narrated by a one Miss Kate Winslet, Jeez. who I love, and I've heard it's a really good audiobook. So awesome. I just finally got my copy. Cool. Because it was on hold at the library. I accidentally uh, got a membership to Audible and forgot to cancel it. <laughs> So I totally got a membership at Audible to get the free first book, and then I forgot to cancel it, so Oops. I had all these Audible credits, well, which is why I downloaded this Lord of the Flies, why I got Matilda. And there I was like, you Oops, go. That's irresponsible spending. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's on more book stuff. Whatever. But we're so happy to be back. <laughs> Just texted Sorry. me about his mustache. <laughs> he wrote, <laughs> man, was that not sexy. Aww. Jessica disagrees. I disagree. I think bring my back the white creepy military. Stash. He looked like he was on Love Boat, but like military <laughs> Love Boat. 
Oh, God, that mustache. <sighs> Anytime my husband has a mustache in a show, I'm just sad. Um, that's hysterical. I love you. We'll probably cut that. Uh-huh. Hey, Hey, anyway, so, uh, so, so, so stay gold there, island boys. Stay gold, Peggy. Oh, stay gold, Rafe or Ralph. Stay gold, Sam Narek. <laughs> stay gold, Jack Meridu. <laughs> you can sing. Stay gold, Roger, you fucking psychopath. Oh, stay gold, fly-ridden pig's head on a double-sided pointy stick. Stay gold, uh, little ones. Stay gold, Asmar. <laughs> Stay gold, Lauren. Stay gold, Jessica. <sighs> Thank you for listening to Required Readcast. If you enjoyed the show, head over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a rating and or review. We're also available on Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at REQ Readcast. Required Readcast is produced by Sexpot Comedy. Theme music and lyrics by Max McEwen and Noah Evan Wilson. Vocals by Aaron C. Willis. Stay, Stay gold, gold, bookworms! This has been a Sexpot Comedy joint. Collaborative, community-driven comedy produced by Andy Jewett and Kayvon Kalitvari. Headquartered in Denver, Colorado, with technical support from Isaac Miller. Every day at sexpotcomedy.com or at a show near you. Until next time, be well, friends.